0: Hi again everybody, I'm Dan Horde and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The... I'm only human of flesh and blood I made... Addition As the Bengals drop some passes, cause the officials to drop some flags, and wind up dropping their second preseason game to the Washington football team. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays from Friday's game, post-game comments from players and coaches, And analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since Joey Votto. I hosted a talk show about a month ago and said something that didn't seem very controversial at the time. Nobody called in to argue, and listeners might have even thought I didn't go far enough. I said that Joey Votto, at the age of 37, was a middle-of-the-pack hitter among Major League Baseball first basemen, and that's what he was going to be over the final two years of his 10-year, $225 million contract. I am happy to admit that the Reds' first baseman has not only forced me to eat a heaping portion of crow, but he's forced me to reconsider what he can still be in his late 30s and early 40s. As I record this podcast, Votto has hit 16 home runs in his last 91 at-bats. That's a home run every five and a half times up. And despite missing 28 games earlier this season with a broken thumb, he's now on a pace to hit 36 homers and drive in 105 runs this season. Every Votto at bat has become must-watch TV. I think most of us assume that while his best days were behind him, Joey could still be somewhat productive at the end of his career because he would at least continue to get on base. Now, he looks like he can still be one of the game's best sluggers. Joey Votto's career OPS, that's on base percentage plus slugging average, ranks ahead of Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, and Albert Pujols, among others. He's basically Wade Boggs with power. And like Boggs, Joey Votto is going to wind up in Cooperstown. Now, let's get to football. In last week's win over Tampa Bay, the Bengals' starting defense was only on the field for one series, sacking Tom Brady and forcing a punt. On Friday in Washington, the starting defense was on the field for three series. The first ended with a punt, the second ended with a fourth down stop near the red zone, and the third ended with a takeaway. It's third down and 14, Fitzpatrick back to throw, has plenty of time, whistles one over the middle, the catch is made, but it's short of the first down. Bengals pick up the ball at the end of the play. We'll see if it's a fumble or if the receiver was down before the ball came out. Bengals are pointing like it's their ball, and the officials are going to confer. Sure enough, Logan Wilson punched the ball out, and Mike Hilton recovered the fumble. Forcing turnovers is critical. But another stat is even more important to Zach Taylor.
1: Zero points, you know, that's the one that matters. You know, two games in a row, zero points, that's all I really care about.
0: The fumble recovery led to a short field goal by Evan McPherson, but that was it for the Bengals' offense in the first half. There were penalties, there were lousy throws, and there were drops by Jamar Chase. In fact, he dropped all three passes that were thrown his way. Here are Zach Taylor and Brandon Allen.
1: We just expect our receivers to catch the ball. It's as simple as that. You know, I don't attribute it to any rhythm. The ball's coming at you, catch it, and, and that's what we need to see improvement from.
2: He's a good player, and he's, he's still getting his, his feet wet well with, with the game experience in the NFL and all that, and I think, um, you know, I've seen him make some unbelievable plays in practice, and, and that'll translate. It will. Uh, he'll, he'll, make the, he'll make the easy ones, and he'll make some spectacular ones as well. So um, I'm not worried about him. I know, he, I know what he can do and, and what he will do. Um, once he gets going, The Bengals trailed 6-3
0: at the half before finally showing some life on their opening drive of the third quarter. Shotgun snap, Allen's throw, back shoulder throw. Oh! Juggling leaping catch. Penalty flags are down on both sides of the field. Auden Tate
3: went right over the defender to make that grab.
0: Auden Tate's 18-yard catch on third and five was the Bengals' first third down conversion in seven tries. A few plays later, they face third and six. Allen waits for the shotgun snap, catches the ball from Hill, looks to throw, his pass, a slant, caught by Trenton Irwin, inside the 10, inside the five, has the ball punched out from behind, and Washington recovers at the one-yard line. David Mayo falling on the ball, it looked like the Bengals were going to have it first and goal, inside the five, and Trenton Irwin had it punched out at the four, There are two
3: penalty flags near the goal line. And the first one came out at the point of contact where that ball was knocked away from Irwin.
0: The penalty was unnecessary roughness for a helmet-to-helmet hit by former UC Bearcat Derek Forrest. Here's Trenton Irwin.
2: You know what, it was a blessing that there was a foul there, but I mean, I got to hold on the ball. I was just, I was excited to get in the end zone there, but uh, it all worked out, got the... Got the touchdown in the
0: end. It came on the next play. Allen lines up under center. He runs a quarterback sneak, gets shoved from behind, and it's a touchdown for the Bengals as Brandon Allen scores on a one-yard quarterback sneak, and Cincinnati has the lead in the third quarter. That made it 10-6 Bengals, but that was one of only two drives all night where Cincinnati had more than one first down
1: out of rhythm, you know that, that's the key thing for me. You know, Early on, we had some penalty, penalty on the first play of the game that set us back. Um, and then they just played some man coverage on critical downs, you gotta throw and catch. And when you don't throw and catch, I think we had some opportunities that were there and, and you're out there on three and out. So again, we don't convert those third down. It's hard to get into a rhythm and uh, get a chance to do a lot of things that we wanted to do on the call sheet. And uh, that, that was unfortunate, that was frustrating. Uh, those are things that we're gonna have to correct when we get home. Too many drops early in the game as well. That was frustrating as well. And then late in the game, just too many penalties. You know, there was a driver. we had a false start. We had an illegal formation. We had a holding. We had a snap on the wrong cadence. And we had a fumble on the same play, which they turned into seven points. And so that's just the stuff that that leaves a bad taste in your mouth.
0: And the snap on the wrong cadence turned out to be the key play of the game. With a 10-9 lead in the fourth quarter, rookie Trey Hill snapped the ball while the other four offensive linemen stood there like statues. Shotgun snap, Schirmer in trouble, manages to avoid a hit, but now he's Ooh. brought down. Ball pops out, and it looks like Washington recovers. That led to a one-yard touchdown run by Jared Patterson, plus a two-point conversion that gave the football team a 17-10 lead. Fourth-team quarterback Eric Dungy saw his first action in a Bengals uniform and drove the team within the long field goal range of McPherson. From the right hash, Huber with the down. McPherson with the kick. Length is not a problem, and the kick is good as he hammers one home from 50 yards away, taking another big step toward winning the kicking job as a Bengals rookie. But that was Cincinnati's last hurrah as Washington held on for a 17-13 win. Here's Allen on a rough night on offense.
2: I mean, it starts with me uh, not being accurate with a lot of those passes. Um, A lot of contested plays that uh, I can put the ball in a lot better positions for the guys uh, to at least make a play on. I think I sailed at least two out of bounds that I can think of on top of my head that I can easily put those either back shoulder, at least give a guy a chance to make a play for me. So a lot of that starts with me being more consistent and getting them catchable balls. Um, And yeah, it was just tough to find a rhythm after that. I called Friday's game on the
0: radio with a good friend and a great broadcaster, the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Paul Keels. Dave Lapham had to miss the game due to NFL COVID protocols. Lap watched it on TV and joined me for some post-game analysis. Lap, how concerned should we be about Jamar Chase's drops?
3: It's something that went from the practice field to the playing field. You know, that's that's the thing. It's like, uh, man, not now... It's a habit that has to be broken. There's no question about that. And I think it can be. I think that it's a, uh, you know, just focus on, on the details, the finer points, you know, and to have three of them, though, three third down balls that could have extended drives and to go over is not a very good thing in a very short time frame.
0: Yeah, I'm worried that it gets in his head a little bit. The thing I will say for Jamar Chase is I don't remember ever seeing a receiver, whether it's the fifth pick in the draft or an undrafted free agent from a tiny college, spend more time after practice catching balls off a jugs machine. So it's not a matter of not putting in the work. I mean, this guy is incredibly dedicated, and I'm really confident that he'll come out of it. I just hope it's soon.
3: I agree, Dan. And I think the other thing about him is, he's extremely coachable. I mean, coach Walters, he's, he's a sponge. Everything that coach Walters is saying, he's, he's taken in. It's not like he's, you know, shunning uh, coaching and uh, and you know, the other veteran receivers, when they talk to him, he seems to be willing to to listen to everybody. So uh, maybe he's just in a little bit of a slump. I don't know if he's ever had this issue before. Uh, obviously he and Joe Burrow haven't experienced this, uh, when here at LSU, it didn't seem to have drops did not seem to be a problem, uh, back then. So hopefully they'll, they'll get remedied here.
0: Seems like the opposite. I mean, the reputation at LSU is unbelievably strong hands. There was no track record of, of the dropsies there. So again, hopefully this is a, uh, a rookie who missed a year, who's thinking about it a little bit too much. And, uh, hopefully after a couple of good catches under game conditions, that will be a, something we'll laugh about eventually.
3: Yeah. I, th- I think sometimes, you know, one happens, you start to press. Then the second one, you press more, you know, and I, I, I think the best thing that happened was he was done for the night, you know, in the early stages of the football game. And, and I'm sure he was he probably had a long night the rest of the night thinking about it. And I'm sure coach was talking to him about it. Teammates were trying to encourage him. And the, the best thing is now just to go back to work, put it behind him, and get on to the next preseason game against the Miami Dolphins.
0: So let's talk O-line, the starting guards in Washington, were Quinton Spain on the left side, Xavier Suafilo on the right side. So they went right. with the vets. Those guys, the, the first team unit on the O-line, only in for 11 snaps. The offense wasn't very productive, but it's kind of hard to fault the O-line when you've got drops and penalties killing drives.
3: Yeah, and uh, I, I guess the, the harbinger of things to come was the very first play of the game. You know, they bust Joe Mixon for 16, 17 yards on the screen, and Quentin Spain is called for a hold um, in space out there. And uh, so that negated that play. And it seemed like whenever they would get a chunk play of some sort of, of – of, just to kind of get them off the schneid a little bit, a penalty would occur, be it a legal formation. And then, and then the penalties that you don't want to have, uh, you have a, a veteran player that's highly respected, Riley Reef. you know, just false starts. Uh, so the, the, mental, the mental mistakes, the, the physical things, holding penalties, things of that nature are going to happen. Guys are going to get themselves in bad position. And, uh, and then, the, you know, the technique is going to be compromised. But the, the mental errors, not lining up properly, you know, not remembering the snap count, the fumble that occurred. I mean, that was that was with Shermer. That was basically the center Hill, Trey Hill snapped the ball count early. He forgot the snap count. Here comes the pass rush, and you know the whole thing's an aborted play at that point. And then it's compounded by the fact that Shermer doesn't uh, exercise ball security. But I mean, that two guys, the battery, the center and the quarterback, are two guys that cannot forget the snap count. I'm telling you, it just it, it causes major issues and they're the two that are handling the football. So they have to be very, very precise with respect to the snap count. And, and that was a tragedy that occurred. So it just seems like the focus overall just, just wasn't there for whatever reason. There was just just a tick off in terms of you know being able to, to hone in on what, what was going on that particular night.
0: Going back to the Bengals' first offensive play, did Quentin Spain hold there, in your opinion?
3: You know, technically he had the hands inside the framework, you know, and he grabbed the shoulder pad. The The thing is when cloth stretches, officials are going to throw the flag. So you just have to be aware of uh, letting go. You know, I mean, it's one, it's, it's one of those things where if you employ that technique on a pass rush where, you know, they're, you, you're retreating, they're coming up the football field. It's, it's a little bit different than if you're in space and running laterally and he's faster and he starts to pull away and you, you know, you re- retard his uh, ability to, to run by by grabbing, even if it is in the framework. I, I thought, ah, boy, that's a little ticky-tack. But then when I saw a different angle replay, the one that I thought the official was looking at, I can see why the official threw the flag. But it was, was it egregious? No. But can it be called? Yeah, and it was.
0: I think Brandon Allen, by and large, has had a very solid camp. I didn't think he was very good in Washington. Uh, there was a Third down pass for T Higgins, where he was open early in the game. He missed him way too high later. Trenton Irwin was open for what should have been a third down conversion, missed him wide, even the drops by chase. A couple of those throws weren't quite where they probably should be. I just, not a very good game in my opinion for Brandon Allen.
3: I agree. I think he fell into the category of, uh, of the entire offense. They just weren't sharp, you know, weren't sharp physically, mentally, um, it, it just, they, they never in a rhythm. They never, never got anything, uh, you know, a coordinated effort. One, one play, it was the offensive line. Another it was a quarterback. Another it was a wide receiver. And pretty soon the, the dam has got holes, um, sprouting all over the place. And you don't have enough fingers to plug up all the holes. So you just have that kind of performance. And hopefully it's a, it's a one-time thing and it happened in the preseason and they can get over it, and move on. But uh, it just, there really, really was never any synchronization of uh, all three phases, you know, uh, um, in terms of position groups, quarterback, offensive line, running back, receivers, four phases. Uh, It's just, it just, it was disjointed. There's no question about it.
0: All right. Let's turn to defense. It's been great at practice. And in the first two preseason games, particularly the first teamers on defense have been outstanding.
3: They really have, Dan. I mean, you look at it uh, in the first six quarters of of uh preseason football given up a grand total they gave up the grand total of four field goals you know um and so that's number one's weren't that's one's and twos. i mean they they just they really played very well they gave up their first play of 20 yards more in the first play of the game because there was a brain cramp in terms of coverage and uh there was a there was a free a free runner tight end thomas just running wide open and took a five-yard pass to a 26, 27-yard play, whatever it was. But after that, they they went back to playing the type of uh, defense that they'd would they been playing and, uh, and and really faced some adversity. I mean, you know, they have a great stop on fourth down. Oginobi, o- Ogunjobi, I should say, um, shows himself well in that fourth down play. And, you know, you think, boy, that, that, that could be a spark for the offense. What does the offense do? One, two, three, and out. So you know they don't answer with any kind of a, you know they just didn't respond whatsoever. It wasn't complimentary football, um, but you know the takeaway by Wilson uh, was good. Guys, guys that had been playing uh, well in the first preseason game continued in the second. Darius Hodge, Jalen Davis, Camp Sample flashed, and he's got that dinged up shoulder, but it, it's encouraging to see you know the same guys like you, you mentioned uh, Trent Irwin you know, he made some plays for the second game in a row. Jacques Patrick made some plays for the second game in a row. Some of these young defensive players two games in a row. So now they're, they're not only stacking practices, they're starting to stack games a little bit, which is a good sign.
0: I'm getting pretty excited about Darius Hodge. Then I look at the roster situation on the defensive line and I'm like well how does he make the 53 it's it might take an injury they would certainly keep him on the practice squad there's no question about that but he's proving to be a pretty intriguing pass rusher when given the opportunity
3: I agree I think I think this kid this kid's got something man he's got some explosiveness he's got some juice the thing is he did and I couldn't really see uh how many special team snaps that that he was part of he, didn't, he wasn't part of any in the first preseason game. And I think that Darren Simmons was, was thinking about how am I going to get him involved in special teams because, boy, that's a very specialized thing to just be a switch situational edge rusher and, and not, uh, not be able to give you anything else in terms of snaps. I'm not talking about making the 53. I'm talking about being active on game day. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if Darren Simmons starts to incorporate him a little bit more maybe in special teams against the Miami Dolphins and, and make that part of the uh, evaluation process.
0: Speaking of special teams, Evan McPherson took another step toward winning the kicking job the 50-yarder late in the game that soared past the goalpost from 50 yards away.
3: I'm telling you, Dan, whew, <laughs> dude's got dynamite caps in his toe. It's unbelievable. That thing explodes off that toe. And, and he does... He kicks the ball straight. I mean, he doesn't have, you, you, don't, you don't see his ball, you know, fading or hooking or anything. And he kicks a, he kicks a very straight ball. And when you're dealing with uh, some potentially, you know, bad weather conditions in terms of wind and things like that, um, being, know, knowing that, boy, I, I not only have to play factor in the wind here, I have a natural draw, I have a natural fade or whatever. Th- those kind of things can be a little bit of an issue. He, he cranks it straight as an arrow. And I mean, high, like you said, boy, he just that thing was a was just a, a majestic looking shot. You know, <laughs> he got it up there quickly and it cleared. It would have been good from between fifty five and sixty easily. It hit halfway up the net. It was crazy.
0: Almost a memorable night for Marcus Bailey. Almost had two interceptions. He had one yep. briefly that got reversed on replay, and then he almost had an, another one earlier than that. He's been having a good camp, and and that was almost his breakout preseason game.
3: Yeah, he was he was around the football, and that that's another thing. Uh, I think he's a he's an example of of the defense that uh, he's he's running the ball. He's hustling um, and, and defense defensively. They've gotten their hands on quite a few footballs in in just you know eight quarters of football. Uh, Lou Anarumo and all the coaches have to be excited about that. And he obviously will be a big contributor, special teams for Darren Simmons with the athleticism that he has and he has shown. So uh, I I think that uh, he's had a very, very solid camp. I can remember, you know, multiple times uh, during practices, us looking at each other, you know, Hey boy, Bailey made another play. Bailey made another play. It's not like, boy, what, how's this happening in games? Cause he hasn't been doing it on the practice field. He has.
0: So a ton of snaps for the second string offensive line in this game, Isaiah Prince, left tackle, Michael Jordan, left guard, Trey Hill center, Jackson, Carmen, right guard, Fred Johnson was in right tackle. Anybody catch your eye or did that unit stand out in any way to you?
3: I thought that Trey Hill didn't play anywhere near at the level that he played at in preseason game. Number one in this preseason game, not just the the uh, ill-advised snapping the ball early in the snap count. But he had uh, he had other problems, you know, at, at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, Fred had a typical uh, first outing. Uh, there were some positives, but then, you know, there were some head scratchers as well. And, and that that was the situation up and down the line of scrimmage of those guys. Um, you know, it's it, they all show the ability to do it. Uh, when you look at snaps and then other snaps, it's like, where did that come from? So those have to be eliminated or minimized. And I'm not saying you're not going to be perfect every snap, but you can't, you know, you just, you just can't fall off a cliff almost from a, from an execution standpoint. Um, you know, it's like, boy, then, then coaches start to wonder, can I trust you? And and when is that? They start flinching and cringing on the sideline. Something bad's, uh, it's due so-and-so's due for one of those brain cramps or one of those w- play that comes out of nowhere and you start to start to flinch about it a little bit and, and coaches aren't comfortable with that. So uh, until, until that gets itself sorted out where everybody is, and I'm, and, you know, it's, it's impossible. They're not going to be five robots up there that are going to be controlled by Frank Pollock with a joystick or anything like that. But, um, you know, they do have to exhibit more consistency and uh, and avoid the train wrecks.
0: So one preseason game left next Sunday afternoon at home against the Miami Dolphins. And the big question this week will involve Joe Burrow. Will he get to play in that game? We know the risk. We we know the reason why he wouldn't play. Can you articulate what the benefits would be to giving Joe Burrow his wish and throwing him out there for a few snaps?
3: I think, um, you know, there are, a few boxes left to check. He hasn't been on the football field since the injury in a game condition in the huddle, looking at his teammates, getting the call from Zach Taylor in his headset. And then, you know, communicating that to everybody, break the huddle, get up to the line. Of just, just to be in that environment again is, is a box that can be checked. And I, I remember um, the juice down there in Tampa, when the goat went out there, for that series, I mean, the place was excited. The last time they'd all been together was a Super Bowl uh, victory. And how sweet is that? And then th- when the GOAT ran out there after winning his seventh Super Bowl, everybody went nuts. I mean, the energy was pretty good. And I thought the Bengals really responded to that on the road. That was exciting to see the Bengals kind of respond to that type of scenario. But I think, how, what about the fan base here in Cincinnati? If Joe Burrow trots out there for the first series, the place will be off the hook it'll be great. And uh, so, you know, to do that for the fan base and to, to reward the players for, you know, okay, last preseason game, you've gone through training camp, let's make it as good an environment as you possibly can. And, um, and then there, you know, there there are things you can do if you decide to do that. Um, Make sure that Joe's not tested whatsoever physically. If you are are fearful of that situation and hand the ball off a couple of times and throw a screen pass to Joe Mixon and um, be very careful and, you don't want to go three and out. That's for sure. But you don't want to uh, have a seven play drive where you've got him taking a three or five step or seven step drop, whatever in the shotgun and pockets closing around him and, and necessarily taking a hit. But I think, honestly, I think Joe might even not, not be uh, against that. Honestly, I, although probably the organization and the coaches might be, but that would be the final uh, check box to be checked is get hit and go to the ground get up, dust yourself off. Yep. Good. And surgery held up. Everything's good. Let's go play. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think if, if Joe's out there, he won't be out there very long. And if they do go on an, an, a multiplay play extended drive, I'm not sure you'll see him for that entire drive. You know, he may, he may come out during the course of that drive. It may be, you know, just a cameo appearance with a curtain call and let the fans go nuts again. <laughs>
0: It also might be the first uh, situation in football history where the quarterback lines up in the shotgun, 27 yards behind the center.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You have to have a Howitzer shotgun snap. Trey Hopkins is going to have to fire that thing about half a football field. That's hilarious.
0: They'll line up in like a pistol. They'll snap it to somebody else who then relays it backward to Joe. (laughs) And then he hands it off. (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah. They have a little, little tier of like four players, just keep pitching it back to them.
0: (laughs) Well, I still have mixed feelings as to whether I want to see Joe Burrow play against the Miami Dolphins, but I do want to see Dave Lapham to my right in the broadcast booth. Hopefully uh, NFL protocols allow you to be back behind the mic uh, this week. If it's not this week, it'll certainly be the game after that. But uh, we missed you badly in Washington and uh, looking forward to being back together in the booth, hopefully this week.
3: Oh, same here, Dan, uh, listen to you and Paul and you guys are, you guys are both, you talked about some dulcet tones, man. You've talked about unbelievable radio voices. And that was like, wow, this is like radio heaven. Dan and Paul keels, listening to these guys, man. Um, you guys did a great job and, and, uh, you know, pros, pros, there's no question about it. And boy, I, I really missed it. I really missed being there in the booth with you. And, uh, I was thinking about it that, uh, that the, the first time or the last time before this that I watched the Bengals on TV where I wasn't on another, you know, uh, assignment covering another football game or whatever, where I was actually at home watching the Bengals play on TV was 1985. Um, that was the <laughs> that was the deep uh, after the USFL season in 1980, uh, 84. Um that's that fall season. I went to games with my son and, and then watch games on TV when they're on the road. That's the, that's the last time I watched the Bengals on television and uh, started doing the games in 86 and haven't watched the Bengals game on television since then until, until this one against the Washington football team. And man, it felt weird. I can tell you that weird.
0: Well, 36 years from now, we'll let you miss another one. Another one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. That, that 36 years from now, man, I I can't even, I can't even think about that.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, appreciate your time. See you soon. Thanks for the info.
3: Appreciate you, Dan. You're the best.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals booth podcast brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment that helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Boot Podcast.